Hey Boyksters, this is Devin Dawslaw and you're listening to Bring Out Your Geeks. On this podcast, I sit down with a different artist uh, every episode and we chat about some of the stuff that they geek out over. This episode, I sat down with JL Bartnick, a collector of crafty hobbies and member of Hit the Streets, and we chatted about uh, geeking out over Halloween, the movies, games, makeup, outfits, uh, you know, costumes, all the stuff that goes with that. We, uh, we chatted about Lego and fantasy books, comics, um, and video game soundtracks. Uh, we chatted a bit about monsters and villains, but the real villain was Zoom and our uh, Wi-Fi connection. We were staying safe and chatting remotely, but uh, the connection was a little choppy, uh, which was annoying, Uh, but we cut out the rough bits, uh, and so it's all good. Uh, You're all in Zoom meetings and stuff. I'm sure you know the struggle, but uh, yeah, it didn't hurt the episode. We got a great chat in, and uh, yeah, it was awesome discussing this stuff with JL. Uh, I think you're really going to like it. So thanks for listening and enjoy the show. She plays in the punk band, she plays D&D. She is a painter, she likes Final Fantasy. They collect comics and do spoken word. They're artists and geeks, isn't that absurd? All right. Uh, hello, JL. I, I'm here with JL Bartnick. Uh, we're doing a like a digital version of this uh, chat, like a remote uh, discussion. We're going to see how this goes. Uh, JL, how you doing? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. I'm a little bit disappointed in the fact that it's snowing, but I guess this is what we get for living in Saskatchewan. So. I know. Yeah. The, uh, the surprise blizzard is definitely uh, affecting my mood over the last couple of days here like uh but at the same time like i've lived here long enough to know that this is just uh part of the deal even if we get to plus 20 in april yeah. uh there's probably still snow to come but yeah i hope that uh we can just like look away from the snow and uh forget about it for a minute knowing that uh by the time this episode airs uh all the snow will be gone and uh we'll just have our two months of summer before it gets cold again so that'll be great (laughs) (laughs) my my two months grow season (laughs) yeah okay oh let's talk about that just to start things off um you are like big into plants (laughs) um and Ah. not something i know anything about so what about like gardening and just like plants and keeping them alive. Uh, I assume that's something you have to do. Uh, what about that is uh, interesting and fun for you? Uh, I think it was all sort of a like, uh, it started at the beginning of um, when quarantine started last year. Mm-hmm. And I was still living at my parents' place. So everything was just sort of like, what can I do to like use up my time? So other than like, playing a lot of <laughs> Scrabble with my parents. Yeah. Like, it was kind of like, well, I, normally every summer I do end up helping my mom a little bit with her gardening. And uh, 
now that I have a place of my own, I've like gotten really obsessive about, okay, I have like this patio area. What all can I grow? Uh, that's not directly in the ground, but in containers. And then it just sort of became like a new uh, obsession. And I don't have any pets right now either. Uh So I think part of it is also just kind of like, I just need like something to care for. (laughs) So, uh, and it's pretty convenient too, because I'm also a bit of an avid like cook, and stuff so uh, it's one of those things that it's kind of convenient to have fresh stuffs in the kitchen as well yeah there's nothing cooler than just like uh hey can you go grab like uh some dill or something and it's like uh yeah which uh, cupboard is it again and it's like no no i mean from the garden <laughs> grab uh something that's growing yeah. in my yard and we're gonna throw it on our food like that i love that um I'm also loving the uh, like the poison ivy vibes that I'm getting. Like the something I can take care of. <laughs> it's like, um, yeah, yeah. I'm not gonna lie. I was like thinking like when I first started my seedlings uh, inside, it was like way too early. But I was very much vibing that like Uma Thurman, and it's just like so gaudy, and she's like. I don't know why, what the character choice was there. I think she was trying to be very like Mae West, but she's just like, "Mm, yeah, poison ivy. And I'm like, yeah, that's me. Like talking to my plant babies. (laughs) Oh man. Um, Yeah. Poison Ivy is such a weird villain, but the cool thing is with her sort of like philosophy, you can always kind of see a nice little like, oh but she's an environmentalist even though she's like trying to kill all these people it's still like some of her motives make sense a little bit you're like okay i get i get part of that it's like yeah you can sympathize with her and like not be like oh she's just like like pure like lawful evil she's sort of like this weird chaotic kind of yeah people hate uh people hate Batman and Robin like that movie, you know, with Arnold and everything, but uh, I love it. It's so campy. It's just, sometimes I just watch like the uh, compilation of all of the freeze puns and stuff in a row. <laughs> like just, uh, just yeah. so ridiculous. It's, it's too much, but it's so, so fun. It's kind of a style that uh, not everybody's going to love it, but like, I can't, and, like, I know, like, everybody who's, like, you know, a Batman fan is always going to be, like, oh, this, you know, what the hell was up with the nipple suit and stuff like that, like, the, everything's a little bit, like, ridiculous and super jokey, but it's, like, I don't know, like, the original comic books were kind of like that, too, and, like, uh, you know, I think that, uh anybody who's sort of directed batman since uh maybe with the exception of like tim burton has always been like i must make it darker more brooding you know more brooding on the ceiling top kind of emo batman but i don't know i think i think you can sort of like everybody's got their chance with it it's like people who play the joker everybody's going to have their chance playing joker Man, I love those. Uh, I love those Batman movies. They are they are something else. But like, uh, I saw them at an age where um, uh, I loved them so much as a kid that it doesn't matter now 
uh, what what they're like, really. Like, I'm like, I get why people hate this. I absolutely see the flaws in this movie, but I, I'm uh, I'm into it all the same. Um, that reminds me of uh, you had mentioned like Becky Cloonan. Um, yeah. Or like interests and stuff. And my understanding is she's has a connection to Batman and stuff too, um, comics wise. What uh, what about her? Um, kind of makes you um, like makes turns you on. I guess what what's so great about Becky? <laughs> I think my favorite part is her art style. Um, I remember. For the longest time, uh, two of my favorite graphic novels she had, I can't remember if it was a collaboration or what, uh, but Demo, it was like this uh, compilation of short stories. And I just love uh, sort of how everything's a little bit sketchy, uh, drastic contrast and black and white. Uh, and like it matches very much it matches the subject matter and everything is sort of this like um, surreal supernatural kind of dark thing uh, in terms of like the storyline but it's also like real life experiences that people can relate to Um, my other favorite comic book artist which is Mike Mignola who is the creator of Hellboy yes um yeah, I I like that's the same thing that I kind of like about his style too is that everything just sort of like pops and has these like strange geometric shapes to them. Mm-hmm. Uh a lot of hard lines, which is something that I also kind of like, but yeah, like whenever I look at comic books that I enjoy, it usually has to do something with the art style cuz that's the first thing I'm going to look at. And then um if the story draws me in, that's like, I know most people are going to be kind of like, it's more, you know, uh, they're going to want to relate to the subject matter more. Yeah. But I don't know. Sometimes I'll like go off and just find something that's just like weird, but I'm just like, oh, it's like cool to look at. I, I love that. Um, it, it's funny because I'm getting these echoes of like, I had um, Gina Dunbar uh, on the show that the episode's not out at the time of us recording this, but we also got into uh, some chats about the like the dark horse comic stuff and uh, Hellboy mm-hmm. and everything. And yeah, um, there's some incredible comics uh, coming out of that house, you know, that publishing body uh, that and I actually, I'll admit, I haven't read many of them myself. And now having these conversations, I'm like, I have my like summer graphic novel and comic reading all set up now because I'm just like being exposed to all these cool things. Um, but when you mentioned the like, just kind of jumping in based on the art alone, uh, that's something that I find super freeing too. Like when I go to a bookstore uh, and I'm looking for novels and stuff, uh, there's so many things that are on my lists that I want to read that I very rarely just do an impulse buy of an author or series I've never ever heard of and just jump in. Like uh, there's too much that I that I'm fairly certain I'll love for me to kind of jump in and do that. But graphic novels, um, it I I just uh, I just commit to it. I'm just like I'm gonna find something that looks cool and I'm gonna buy it. And uh, I read last year, maybe the year before, I I got this amazing uh, graphic novel called Skip. 
um, by somebody called Molly Mendoza. And to this day, it's probably the most like beautiful graphic novel I've ever read. <laughs> uh, I feel like you're reacting to that. Is, is this someone you're familiar with? <laughs> I'm familiar. Yeah. I I kind of feel like um uh a lot of the people who I enjoy like graphic novel wise, it's always people who are gonna you know, they're uh I mean they're not just like like there are plenty of graphic novel artists I also appreciate who are not just women, but like I kind of feel like that's with a lot of things in like um art or music that I appreciate it's always kind of like you want to not just like kind of fall in with um whatever kind of dude artists are like sort of the most popular mm -hmm. like trending you know the highest on like whatever top five list it is at the like at the time yeah. find that representation and sort of like support those other folks who are also kind of doing things that you are wanting to try and do yeah right? it's exciting and i imagine for you it's like inspiring as well uh they some of these things have been like they've had such kind of um you know gatekeeper people involved for so long that like when somebody has like broken through and uh, really managed to like shine despite uh kind of like some of these crappy communities uh it's like yeah it's empowering it's awesome um have you read because i i admit i haven't read this but when i was kind of looking into some of the people that you that you like and follow and stuff um have you read becky clunan's east coast rising before is that one you've checked out no i haven't checked it out yet i feel like um some of my my reading is a little bit sporadic right now because uh, especially so I work for Regina Public Library. So every two seconds, I'm like taking home a new book, even oh, though yeah. I might not get around to reading it, which is a little like embarrassing to say when you're like <clears throat> somebody who works for the library, but you're also kind of like, like, you know, I take out too many books that I can't read them all. <laughs> but um, it's research, though. It's like uh, part of the yeah. job. You got to like get jump into everything all at once. Yeah. Well, and I find that I've started taking home things that I might not necessarily be like, you know, like, oh, I, this is the first thing I'm going to grab. Like, there's been like a few like uh, fantasy novels that I've grabbed off the shelf. Obviously, I'm like grabbing Neil Gaiman because mm -hmm. he's one of like my favorite fantasy authors. Um but like there's like some uh the invisible library series that i don't know it's the title that kind of like grabbed me i've never heard of the author i just grabbed the book and i took it home and now i'm like going to just read the whole thing and see where it takes me Very but that's that's like the same thing with like i don't know like diy crafty stuff too i'm just like give you're me a hobby i'll just, try it yeah you're not afraid to just jump in hey yeah <laughs> i love that no. i'm like i i uh, like overthink everything like do i want to be somebody who it who does like <laughs> sewing do do i want to be somebody who is like and i just overthink everything sometimes there, there's also other weird things that i'm like recently those last couple of weeks i've just been like i am finally going to like finish some origami things if it kills me you know like i'm gonna just make this happen i've like i've bought a couple of books over the years like halloween origami and like these things and i've been really excited and i'm really bad at following the directions when they come from a book like i just have trouble visualizing it so i've never 
like managed to make anything cool but recently i've been watching like youtube videos and just like i go over the folds like 20 times and i've figured it out and i've made some cool stuff and i feel awesome about that yeah that's no i i love that like i think that um people always obsess too much and this is also coming from somebody who like waited till i mean I, like I, I'm only 27, but like that's kind of waiting late to join your first punk band. In <laughs> like, if you really think about it, like a lot oh, yeah. more people have like started bands and at far younger ages. There's enough like, rock stars think... that have died at 27, having like, <laughs> yeah. already gotten famous around the world. Yeah, yeah, and I'm like, you know, uh, I'm I feel like I've waited too long to try and like start all of these hobbies or projects that I've just been waiting on forever. And now, granted, I feel like there's still some things that I'm kind of like, oh, I'm not good enough, and like, oh, I don't want to try this. I'm not good enough at it yet. But I like, I don't know, just do it. Like, there's there's so much time now that. Uh, you have on your hands and you never really know when you're going to like not get the like chance to try it again. And even if you mess up, like, trust me, this, the quilt that I currently have on that I made <laughs> is like a stepping stone to making, you know, better, uh, well, arguably better. I think it's pretty great, <laughs> but <laughs> like, you know, slightly more elaborate projects. Cause like, Right now, my main obsession is I want to work more on clothing. But, like, what's your first stepping stone? Well, you got to, like, learn how to sew in a straight line. You need to learn how to iron out seams and do things that, like, for garment construction are essential. But, like, we don't really think about it. All All we see is the finished product that we want to make not necessarily all the steps that you need to put together and practice yeah. to learn how to make that thing. So much of it is like, yeah, realizing that it's going to take time, but also just being okay with not being good right away <laughs> because uh, it's kind of daunting knowing how long it's going to take, but also it's just like everybody was a beginner uh, at some point and uh, you just have to commit to like, and try to enjoy those early stages too. Like realizing that this milestone uh is as significant as a milestone that comes two years later uh, because they're all part of like your growth, you know? I think that's great. Um, yeah, okay. Yeah. And uh, we'll get into all of the, like, I, I don't want to say random DIY things that you do, but I do feel like as a person, you're just like all over the place and it's so uh, inspiring to just just see all the stuff you have your kind of your fingers in right but um yeah i love that Uh, the reason i asked about the east coast rising was because i saw on wikipedia that it was the adventures of punk rock pirates on the east coast of the united states and i was like with your kind of like punk rock style and and now that i know that you're into this uh this comic book artist i'm like maybe this is one you grabbed right away i don't know (laughs) Well, now I'm going to have to grab it because that just sounds like way too up my alley at this point. Because like, I also love like Tank Girl is sort of like one of those quintessential like punk rock comics. It's almost like like having punk rockers in like 80s horror movies. Like they're just meant to be like they're just supposed to show up. So I 
I feel like that one is like one that I like I have to now you gotta check it out yeah now Now Uh, I gotta check it out (laughs) um let's uh let's talk a little bit about punk rock I guess because uh you said you've you've kind of uh formed or joined your your first punk band um and uh that's hit the streets right um and uh it seems to me uh my guess is that like 80s punk rock is is kind of a jump off point uh for for you folks as a as a band um and then i was uh kind of prepping for this i was looking through your instagram and just like okay i could talk about this and stuff and uh on there i found that you had posted a picture of you from high school uh with a minor threat shirt on (laughs) and that filled me with uh so much joy um am i correct in assuming that uh you know that 80s punk stuff is is sort of among your influences with that band uh absolutely i think like um there's something that uh and i feel like yeah you're right like a lot of that was like uh very very influential to me in high school um i think that type of sound of punk rock is also a lot of what i grew up with Mm because like i went to my first show when i was 13 years old um there's a band called the rebel spell from uh vancouver bc that was like my and still is to this day they're one of my favorite bands uh punk bands that was like molding me as a a youth uh alongside with um snfu who they and propaganda who played a lot of shows with them oh yeah but like uh I kind of feel like you also I I wish I had there's another picture of me too that's also um it's like that was the 80s era yeah. like uh, of hardcore jail of hardcore punk rock jail but I also have a picture of me I think it was uh grade 10 I had a no effects war on errorism shirt booyah um and uh, I had green leopard print tights and like a spiked cuff that I was proudly showing yes. off. It was like the quintessential like punk kid in high school, like yeah. really trying to show up for for high school pictures. It was like uh, still is one of my favorite oh, pictures yeah. to this day. Hey folks, I just want to pepper in some thank yous before we continue here. I'll get to the sponsors later on, but I want to thank Kieran Simple. He's our sound engineer, uh, makes this podcast easy and comfortable for me to do, plus he makes it sound good, which is important. Uh, I wrote and recorded the theme song that played at the beginning, but I want to thank Daniel Bazian for doing the mixing on that, uh, that attempt at an 80s cartoon theme song. I also want to thank Emma New and Marion Donnelly at the Creative City Center for helping me get this thing off the ground. Thanks for all the work you two do at the CCC. Uh, lastly, I want to thank you for listening and today's guest, JL Bartnick, for coming on the show. Uh, no one would listen to me talking to myself. So thanks again and enjoy the rest of the episode. Yeah, I heard Miss Murder in like Guitar Hero, Guitar Hero 3, I think. And then I was like, okay. Uh, the I was like pretty against most of that stuff, but I was okay with, um, oh shoot, what's it called? The AFI like uh, Songs for the Sorrow or whatever it's called. Um, yeah. And, uh, and also, I mean everybody 
the the people that I didn't want to be associated with were like so into uh, the Black Parade. But after I finally gave it a chance, I was like, okay, I, I, I'm down for what they're doing here. <laughs> like as much as I well, don't want to associate myself with the other people that love this record, I, I also don't want to just hate it because I don't <laughs> like the other people that are into it. You know. Well, and like the you know, uh, it's sort of like the gatekeeping of you know what is good music and what is not good music mm-hmm. you end up closing yourself off to a lot of things that you would not you know you just have to try it yeah. like honestly that's like one of one of my hardest lessons to learn and i think everybody has to learn it at some point like you don't have to love everything but like also like don't you know poo poo whatever like like just because it's not something you like doesn't uh-huh. necessarily mean you're not going to at some point and also Gerard Way created the Umbrella Academy which you like you know is also a very good comic and now I guess TV series but and yeah to like come full circle that was another thing that popped up as I was looking through this you know East Coast Rising and all that was the true lives of the fabulous Killjoys uh which like paired those exact two people Gerard Way and Becky Cloonan again right and it's like um I think MCR's like weird arc is a is is a fun way to look at how we could also just just we have to be okay with changing as people too and being like okay i was really into this stuff maybe i still love it but also i'm into this stuff that doesn't seem to fit with that at all and i'm okay with being into different things you know like whatever i kind of have this fear that all of my interests are um sort of informed by the type of person i want to look like you know and so i'm constantly like exposing myself to things that i think i'll hate um just to make sure that i'm like still purely open to things just objectively and not just being like oh well i'm the type of guy that likes these things and i'm the type of guy that hates these things you know <laughs> it's like you don't want to age into like the the like i guess you don't want to lose your punk rockness or lose yeah. sort of the the weirdness that you think defines you but at the same time it's like i don't know i thought that uh, weirdly enough when i like so I'm like growing out my hair again because I like shaved my head completely last year. Mm-hmm. So it's been one year, right? Same. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, quarantine, shave your head. <laughs> um, but I was thinking about this the other day where I was like, you know, oh God, like I want to dye my hair again. Or, and this might have been more just an impulse of like, I need something to do. Cause yeah. like, I, I don't know what is time. And, you know, I need to do something to mark, mark the days somehow. So I don't know, blue hair, but like, mm-hmm. I think I was like thinking about it. And I was like, well, like, you know, well, would I get something out of it? Because like, it's something I want to do. And like, uh, you know, I want to switch things up a bit or is it just because I feel like I'm like not looking punk rock enough yeah. on a regular basis and stuff? which like, I don't know. I think the older you get, the more that's sort of like, and like, you know, you accumulate more tattoos or more piercings at some point. Yeah. And then it's kind of like, there's kind of not any way for me to not look like uh, a punk rock in any way. And also I've always been a person who like, I like changing my look a lot. Uh, so one day I could be all black, uh, wearing a bondage belt, 
uh, and fishnets and like big uh, combat boots. The next day, I'm kind of like, oh, I'm going to wear my slouchy overalls and my power trip sweatshirt because like I really don't feel like like getting wrapped into a bunch of stuff. But it's just sort of like, uh, you know, you kind of just have to try different things and then remember that it's what's inside that counts. I mean, you're, <laughs> as cheesy as that you're is. You're not wrong, though. Like, uh, I mean, punk rock has always just sort of been about like, this is what I feel. This is how I want to express myself. And I don't care what anyone else thinks or if I like stick out in a weird way or something. Right. And, and, if, and somewhere along the line, it became, uh, there became sort of a uniform that, that, that people felt like they had to adorn. It's like, whenever I'm going to punk shows, I got to put on my patched vest and stuff. And I got to like, and, and it's funny. Cause you look back on even these sort of like different, godfathers of punk rock or something and they don't actually fit with that look that you think it's all about like you, you hear about henry rollins talking about people being mad that like they decided to grow their ha hair out in the mid 80s and it's like if if it's a, if it's good enough for them to like not care about having short hair anymore or spiking it or whatever just like is it shouldn't that tell people that like there's other options, you know, if like Henry Rollins is doing it, shouldn't we know that that means it's <laughs> that type of thing is okay, you know? Yeah. I've always sort of thought that like punk rock, like, and not just punk rock, I think any like music subgenre, like style has always been really interesting to me because it, it, there's so many like people who like sort of fit the mold, but then they, add their own twist on it or they make it like different which is something that I've always enjoyed because then not every single person looks the same at a show yeah. like you could have somebody who's like walking in with like uh you know a sort of a, a bondage pants and you know band shirt kind of look and then there's somebody else who's just sort of you know I I just want to like tuck in a black shirt to a black pair of Levi's and mm -hmm. that's it like oh, yeah. it, it could either be really plain or it can be just like out there. And I think that's something that like a, another hobby doing lots of makeup lately um, yeah. has been something that I've appreciated because like you can paint anything on your face and just like make yourself look like the wildest you possibly can. And the nice thing is you could just like wipe it all off and then it's another blank canvas. You could just do something different. Yeah. It always changes. It's awesome that like not wearing makeup is punk and wearing the most ridiculous makeup that you could possibly plaster on your face is also punk too. It's like you eventually yeah. just got to get rid of these things. I'm working on um, kind of being just a walking satire of like a, a punk noob because I always feel like that's how I look anyway. And so like I'm working, I've been collecting for about a year now um, different dead Kennedy patches and I'm just going to have a coat that is all dead Kennedy patches uh, because like as a as a way of like making fun of the thing where it's like huh that guy like he has like you know two he has like two rancid patches and like you know and and like a no effects in a blink 182 and that's it like <laughs> you know like this he clearly doesn't know like uh, like other bands than that or he he, he clearly uh, like only listens to the mainstream stuff that everybody knows so i'm just gonna have one band that everybody knows <laughs> and like that's it <laughs> 
I love it. I I I want to see more stuff like that where it's like because like I always find that uh, sometimes like you know punk, heavy metal, hardcore, uh, it it takes itself really really seriously, yeah. and I think that's why I always appreciated things like like hard times yeah. where like everything sort of becomes like a parody or a satire on itself because it's like like you know. I agree. Some of the subject matter that, you know, we're singing about is obviously because we're angry mm-hmm. and we want to like, uh, you know, uh, sort of use a form of music as a catalyst for change. But also there are the moments where it's just sort of like, you know, uh, like a, a, the the guy with his arms crossed at a show. Yeah. Just standing in the corner and looking very serious, but he's having a great time. <laughs> like yeah. like moments like that where it's like you can't not acknowledge that some of that is like like it takes itself so seriously to the point where it can't not be funny. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean you have to I, I love that 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 we should be able to laugh at ourselves and stuff. I actually applied to work for uh hard drive uh like hard drive and hard times at one point because I write uh like satirical articles just making fun of the the type of person i am (laughs) and like i think you got to be able to yeah you got to be able to laugh at yourself i don't know um that reminds me of like i spent some time in berlin last year and uh they kind of as much as it's a cliche berlin thing they they've kind of i feel like held on to uh the essence of that weird like i don't care what you think punk mentality and you see people that are just dressed in the weirdest ways like uh i saw this guy just walking around in like a like kind of like an 80s or 90s kind of jumpsuit with like a giant ghetto blaster like the one in uh like do the right thing uh just like like blasting I, I don't know if it was actually public enemy like it is in that movie but you know like one of those kind of 80s 90s hip-hop things and just like walk through the streets like he was in 1988 you know and then i saw you know there's another guy wearing a plunger as a hat like it's just <laughs> whatever anything goes you know it's like everything is sort of this like art house kind of, and, and that's what i love about like like clothing and fashion and dressing up sometimes it it's like you know the sort of things you see on a fashion runway yeah. are like so gaudy and impractical sometimes <laughs> yeah. and it's like like one of those things where it's like but like all of these people who have come to see like you know uh, these models walk in them. They're taking it all very seriously. And it's like, this garment is not something that's practical no. for the real world. But like, you can, you can essentially just like wear anything. And like, I think the, the one of my, my favorite things is like when, like you get both the like head turn confused kind of moment, but then you also have people coming up to you being like, oh my gosh, like this is yeah. just 10 out of and like ooh chef is we're here for it my my girlfriend and i have started just like going out in public in the exact same outfit and just seeing like if people look at us weird or com- or, or like comment or just are fine with it because who cares we both would wear these types of things and we're just gonna wear them on the same day <laughs> whatever <laughs> yeah um so i uh I know that you're big into makeup and uh, you kind of have a ball with it. Um, I was looking at a post again on your Instagram where you had done like ghost and bat sort of eyeliner stuff or something. Um, Was that like, uh, 
a Halloween uh, thing. How into Halloween do you get? Or is that just an any time of year, that's what I do sort of thing? I mean, I think, like, I think it, like, I love Halloween so much that Halloween is, like, 24-7. Yeah. Like, I've never, like, other than Christmas, like, holidays for my family are just sort of like a yeah you hang out with fam you eat dinner kind of but halloween is like like always been like super special because once again it's the like makeup and getting dressed up to go out i wish i had and like this comes from oh my in sewing and knitting and stuff like that it all kind of like comes from my mom and like she used to make like all of our Halloween costumes, like I'm sure a lot of moms did. Mm-hmm. But one of my favorites that she ever, aside from her dressing me up as the devil as a baby, <laughs> which Rosemary's is like, baby, little spawn of Satan. <laughs> what what can I say? They baptized my sister, but they didn't baptize me. <laughs> Um, but, uh, I like my other favorite that she did was, uh, I wanted to go as a vampire and she essentially dressed me up as like a tiny Bella Lugosi. Yes. But like the makeup was like, so she really took that grease paint and she said, no, like Anastasia Beverly Hills, who we, we've got this and we're going to go to town. And it was like, the eyebrows were like these perfect points yeah and like arched and like i had the um it was like blue eyeshadow uh-huh. all the way up to like right underneath the brand new pseudo brow and then my hair was slicked back with that spray on like black hair dye oh yeah and but like i had the cape i had like all the bits and bobs it was just oh it yeah. was it was like my my one of my best memories i think like of a halloween costume i think uh, uh, i love that and i love the you're right halloween as a thing where we like dress up and and go hard on the costumes uh that's something i love too um i really get into halloween like probably like you said more than any other uh holiday and it's actually it's just kind of grown the the older i get kind of like i i liked it as a kid like every kid did but it wasn't like I'm going to do Halloween things uh, for the whole month. It was just like, I can't wait till I get to dress up and go get candy and stuff like that one night, you know? And now it's become a thing. I uh, like just take on, it's like September and October are like Halloween things all the time uh, in my own house. And that's uh, just something I run with hard. Now Um, you reminded me of like, it was probably in uh, maybe 2000 or something. I had the only a Pikachu costume because my mom made it out of like bed sheet, like yellow bed sheets. And, um, the, the head was like a yellow balaclava with two dorky looking ears. <laughs> but like Pokemon was so huge that everyone knew what I was. And I was proud of it. Cause I'm like, no one else has Pokemon costumes, even though it's the biggest thing in the world. Like, <laughs> but I, uh, I looked like a bit of a, you know, kind of like the meme, you know, we have that at home, you know, and it's like the Pikachu we have at home. But yeah, absolutely. Um, so you talked about Bella Lugosi a little bit. Um, 
do you do you go that far back in your like i don't know if you're a big movie buff or anything but i uh i love like the universal monsters stuff like the um you know the invisible man the yeah and i that's what i thought was on your quilt yeah um so listeners you can't see uh but jl has a well actually why don't you just describe the quilt for us Sure. Um, yeah, the so the quilt that I have has like uh, fabric squares that I cut out from an old dress that have like the original universal like movie monsters on it. Um, and like all of those movies sort of like because they're kind of the I think the intro to horror science fiction that um stay like it sort of stood this test of time throughout like cinematic history and it's still something that gets referenced yeah bride of frankenstein um like and the parody of it by mel brooks uh young frankenstein yeah which like uh I don't know like it's sort of one of those things that like I can't really describe it to people people just have to watch it like one of my favorite um monologues is still like Gene Wilder being like um my only interest is the preservation of life those sorts of monster movies have like a special place in my heart because it's like everybody will want to enjoy them and watch them and I also love like the monsters as well yeah no doubt um i i'm a big fan of those ones too and i I also really like uh they're still sort of part of that group but like the abbott and costello um movies that where they like combine the monsters with sort of the abbott and costello bits uh and it's all like kind of made into a comedy too uh big fan of those um now i feel like i remember you getting like a uh a creature from the black lagoon tattoo or something was that a tattoo of yeah. yours or someone else's <laughs> um so it's actually uh an original flash piece hang on i'll show it so it's a creature of the cat lagoon ah. um this was done by cj uh panel um she used to work at Lucky Panther Studio, but now she has a, uh, a studio of her own. Um, gosh, why can I not remember the name of it? Oh, True True Dark, right? Yes, True, yeah, Dark. True Dark. Sorry, Dark I was like yeah, looking yeah. for the name. I'm like, gosh, I'm a I'm a terrible client because I can't get the name of her shop right. You got the um, old shop in there, but, but yes, True Dark. <laughs> yeah, True Dark Tattoo. Um, but she's done like, cause I have uh, that, which was an original flash piece by her. And she had done like a whole series of like cat cartoon monsters. So there was a cat Thulu, there was a cat Zilla. Oh yeah. And I was eyeing up the creature from the black lagoon cat because uh, it's an old school monster horror movie. Yep. That's, one of my favorites and uh like you know i like cats and dogs but like i i just oh, i wanted oh, to now so you've bad. picked a like, side <laughs> yeah. now you've got to <laughs> well, stick with cats <laughs> now i guess it's only cats forever yeah <clears throat> um but yeah like i 
I love getting like tattoos of like uh, weird, silly things as well as like, you know, uh, my other arm has like just witchy stuff all over it. And so it's you're, kinda... you're speaking my language. Like I, I'm all about sort of goofy tattoos. Like I've got the uh, Robbie, the robot from forbidden planet, but holding a giant hot dog instead of like the half naked woman <laughs> that he's holding. I love thing. that. <laughs> yeah. I'm oh like, my God. Make it goofy. You know? Uh, yeah. I'm into that. That's, that's great. The uh, also you reminded me of another Halloween thing that I love, which is like pun costumes. Uh, sometimes they're like really poorly done and you're like, that's a stretch. But um, sometimes like, they're incredible. One of my favorites was, I think it was the guitarist in the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs. Um, he was like Kurt Cobain, but he was like, had the flannel and the 90s stuff, but then like the Bane mask from uh, like the Dark Knight and all that. Pun costumes that like are mashup things like that. Oh man, that's a, that's a Halloween thing that I love too, I think. I think there's something thrilling about like when you're the one who's wearing the pun costume uh or no sorry let me rephrase that there's something thrilling about when you figure out a pun costume that somebody is wearing mm -hmm. and then you kind of like do the like eh? and then the other person's like oh yeah now like we're on the same level but it, it it's sort of anytime there's a costume like that I try really really hard to like figure it out but there's always like there's always going to be that one where it's like, okay, can you tell me what your costume is? <laughs> Cause oh, yeah. I'm trying so hard to get it. Um, one of my favorites that uh, one of my friends dressed up as was a French kiss, but it was like, she wore a stripy shirt, a beret, but then she did like the Paul Stanley, like kiss makeup. <laughs> oh, love it. Yeah. That's yeah. good. Um, I, I'm not sure if I'd be able to pull this off, uh, it would probably take a performance alongside the costume of some kind, but I wanted to do like a uh, um, Gordon Downey Jr. where I put like Iron Man uh, together with like um, <laughs> in Gordon Downey stuff, like maybe like the Jaws t-shirt that he was wearing at those uh, at the farewell broadcast show stuff and, and uh, maybe just kind of break into song every now and then and like, i feel like if you did if you did that with the iron man helmet and then like his wide brim yeah, hat situation yeah, yeah. i think you could do it and like uh, i don't want to be like like do it do it but yeah. i want to see it happen i don't mind if people don't get it as long as i'm like proud of the link myself then i'm like i don't care how obscure this is like I i'm still i'm still down for it i went as james joyce uh, one year and like no one knew what but I'm like I'm the prick with a stick I'm the guy you know and uh, I don't care that you don't know who this is I am loving <laughs> that I decided to put this together you know eye patch and all um okay yeah like so you guys put out um the album like your album we're cursed like around Halloween didn't you uh I'm pretty sure we it did. was in the fall <laughs> like, uh, I, yeah I, I think you're I think you're probably right. I feel bad because I should know my uh, like our own release date and everything. The the problem with COVID time is like everything feels like it yeah. happened in like a week. I know what and you I'm mean. still reeling from the 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 shock and awe, but yeah, no. Um I can tell I, you at the I, very I, least that you released like the song. 
um, yeah, like right in that zone. Because I remember sh- like sharing it from the Facebook page, being like, "Here's your Halloween fix," and like I'm big into you know bringing out like um, the the Rocky Horror stuff, and, and like one of my favorite things to do is to bring out um, like Halloween records that aren't actually um, like dark and halloween like but they sort of have some link like vampire weekend or or like Mm -hmm. something like that where it uh it sort of fits uh like because of some name of the album but not necessarily like i remember dark uh what is it uh the cubist castle record from olivia tremor control and stuff like that i'm like these are not halloween records but they are for me because they've got like uh coffins and castles and bats and stuff like (laughs) Okay, cool. Um, so, like, let's see. You, you mentioned earlier that you're like a Neil Gaiman fan. Um, what's uh, I've read? I've read American Gods. I think, other than maybe like I listened to his um, record where he like kind of tells or reads his stories and stuff with Amanda Palmer. But other than that, I haven't read much of his stuff. What are some of your favorite things that he's done? I think Stardust. Uh, I really like, I think, um, the thing that I really appreciate about Neil Gaiman is that he sort of writes these fairy tales for grownups kind of thing. Um, even, even like, I mean, Coraline is technically sort of like more of a young reader for kids kind of thing, Mm -hmm. but, um, there's something about his writing style. Also, uh. Oh gosh, what is it called? I I'm gonna kick myself for not knowing the title of this book because it's it's pretty great, but it's sort of like this fantasy that takes place sort of beneath the streets of London. It it's almost like you know the, these weird sort of interdimensional uh, things, but also the 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 characters that are in it. It's sort of like a commentary on like sort of houseless people and oh, yeah. uh, those kinds of folks how there's sort of essentially like unseen and like uh i'm i'm not phrasing it very well but it's i think it, I'm catching it's quite an though like i know what you mean yeah um do you uh i'm taking another stab in the dark here but is it the one he's got one something called like the graveyard book or something is it by any chance that or is that a different uh, one altogether <laughs> no that's a different one i think that's actually a young adult novel uh yeah never yes never wear i know never wear is the book uh i would highly recommend it it's uh one of my like paperbacks that i enjoy carrying around it's like that one and uh hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy are like the ones that i feel like i have like my my comfort reads and it's like those books um and I mean, you know, Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit yeah. are also, I mean, you know, tell, like, obviously a Tolkien fan because fan of fantasy, but yeah. I can't help it. They're just like, they give me, you know, they give me that comfort that you need. And it's kind of nice to like, yes, I know where the, the direction this book is going, even though they're still stuck in the forest after like the first <laughs> yeah, five chapters. I actually like, 
I loved all the Tom Bombadil stuff and everything because I hadn't seen it in the movies first. So I was like, oh, this is like a kind of like new parts of the story that I feel like I've unlocked here or something because uh, I wasn't familiar with it like before I, I read it. I realized like I think just this last week or or two that um, it's been 10 years since I finally like read the whole Lord of the Rings. Um, and uh, that makes me feel old, but also it's like, that was a big thing for me because in high school, like I read it for a class in university and I had read the Hobbit as a kid, but I started reading Lord of the Rings when I was 11 or something. And it, it just didn't hook me at that time. And I hadn't really um, kind of, I hadn't jumped into fantasy much uh, since that point, other than, you know, like when I was a little kid, I was into Harry Potter and stuff, but in high school, I was more like, okay, you know, um, Kerouac and and Ginsburg and Vonnegut and all these guys and then it took that class in university which the whole class was on Tolkien to really make me go okay no I'm I'm down for fantasy like I I'm I'm into it and I, I'm good to go here like this I'm ready for it yeah I liked. I kind of want to talk about Douglas Adams a little bit since you you name dropped like one of the one of my favorite guys. Uh, that was pretty much um, my introduction to science fiction, and I recently read the five uh, books again. And just oh man, what do you love about uh, Douglas Adams? I think I love sort of. Uh, there's that dry wit like British humor kind of thing that I love so much. I also love that um, th there's moments like the whale falling uh, that's like been s randomly sporadically come yeah. into creation, like the whale and the bowl of petunias. Yeah. <laughs> and the whale is like trying to like handle the concept of like the fact that it's come into consciousness and it's having all of these new experiences. Yeah. And the petunias are just like, oh no, not again. Yeah. <laughs> I think I love moments like that where, uh, you know, um, I think it, uh, he did something comedically, uh, but also like, I think... Uh, and like I'm a huge fan of like, cosmos as well and like space stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I find it all to be really interesting. But I think we forget because we think our own lives are so important. Like everything yeah. about how we construct things is like like the here and the now and like every little thing about our lives and our details are so mm -hmm. important that we forget like the vastness and the beauty of the universe and that it's like. Yeah. so spectacular and beautiful that we're even here kind of thing like yeah. i just love like like scrolling through nasa's page of like their photographs of like different galaxies and like um uh pictures of different planets it's just like like uh it's just oh it's so cool and i just love space stuff yeah. and i think douglas adams like does that in a fun way with his writing. He's, uh, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it's hilarious. And the the comedy is, is, I don't know if complex is the right word, but he's not making like just fart jokes and stuff, right? Like it, it, the, there's, yeah. it's, it's like that Monty Python thing where it's like, uh, you know, kind of smart humor. There's a lot of layers to it and it's just bizarre and kind of like very just absurd a lot of the time. Um, I... Uh, my old band, the Marching Martian Marshmallowtrons, we had like basically uh, 
like we had basically retired as a band but then like a couple years after our last show we got together for one show because uh as part of like the uh arts fest cathedral village arts fest or regina here somebody was putting on a towel day event uh with like readings from like a saskatchewan uh science fiction author and all these different things and they were like we need a sci-fi band you know <laughs> and so we played this towel day event and it was uh it was ridiculous but but so good <laughs> see and i love that like those are like little insiders it's very much like like you said like the uh you know the rocky horror or like the um like the screenings of the room where like people can like actively participate in this like sort of little thing that's, you know, I think that's like any sort of like nerdy um, uh, content, I guess, for lack of a better term. It's like, there's always these special things where like you can share with other fans of that uh, kind of stuff. And like the towel thing and the, the number 42 are always going to be very special to me because of douglas adams oh of course i i find that like um douglas adams uh i was kind of worried that reading it as an adult because i had started there right like and when i picked it up a couple years ago i was worried that um it having read so much sci-fi since that it it wouldn't land the same way but he's such a kind of idiosyncratic voice like uh, his way of uh writing and phrasing things and stuff is just so unique to him that um it's you know it it still has its own place in the science fiction canon and i think sometimes he gets written off as like a comedy guy but he is wildly inventive um in ways that uh, that i think other sci-fi writers are are were afraid to be kind of and i recently read uh like the first ring world book and uh it's like by larry niven and i'm like you know if you if you handed this to me and you handed me um one of the Heinlein novels or something like, and you didn't tell me like uh, that they were from different people you said you know they're both by the same guy i would believe you because um even though they you know they have different stories they they're boring from a lot of the same things and kind of phrasing everything uh in a way that was popular at that time within that genre but Douglas Adams is his own beast you know <laughs> like he he kind of just like like I think like with uh science fiction or fantasy writing you know bringing up Tolkien again it's sort of like people you know, are so intimidated by the fact of like how Lord of the Rings was so good that Mm -hmm. like, you know, they end up comparing, I mean, I'm not a writer, but like, you know, I feel like people would compare their own work to that and be like, Oh, like, I don't know if I want to try and write this because I like, don't want to sound too much like Tolkien, Mm -hmm. but I also want to like, you know, get people interested in sort of these realms and beings that, I'm inspired by this work and it's kind of like I think that's like you said like I appreciate Douglas Adams because it's not like I can't be like compare this to Star Wars or compare this to uh, Doctor Who or compare Mm -hmm. this to um, Star Trek it's its own thing and that's something that I find like 
fascinating about sci-fi and fantasy is like you you find things that are so distinct that you can like kind of enjoy them for what they are and appreciate their differences right totally yeah i i just this last week they had a they had a 50 percent off book sale i got the email at value village and i was like okay I, I i'm always there i'm gonna go in on this data and i found the salmon of doubt um that little like you know collection i've never read it so i was stoked to to find it and i'm gonna have to go through it um and just, I know that there's like unfinished stuff in there and, and like essays or whatever, just kind of a hodgepodge of all these different works of his when, after he passed away. So I'm stoked to like give that a go. Um, okay. So I guess like just to wrap up our fantasy chat, like, um, who are, uh, so you've got Neil Gaiman, you've got Tolkien. Do you think there's any, um, anyone else that like, people really should know about or a, a series that you think is something that can stand up to those two names in a way? <laughs> mm, gosh, I don't know. Like, I guess like, um, well, I don't know if it's necessarily a series, but I would say like, um, uh, if you haven't read Neil Gaiman, um, I don't know. Like, I know Good Omens has already sort of been in like people's realm of knowledge because there's the TV show that was made about it. Mm -hmm. But honestly, like, give give the book a read. Like, check it out. Um, uh, it sort of has those like concepts of like, um, you know, heaven and hell and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. uh, but it it's very much like. Uh, written in a similar way to sort of like how Douglas Adams writes Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, where it's kind of like it has these sort of like the absurdities of dogma and uh, in religion, and then like the contrast of how these two characters who are both working for the different side uh, are like best friends and stuff, like uh, which uh, I think um, it to me it's like super fun and entertaining uh i just love becky cloonan so much and i think everybody should <laughs> yeah. read her stuff at some point um, I, I think there's also a series uh comp series called bitch planet as well that uh is sort of like um uh and i actually have like on my skateboard i have the non-compliant um it's like the tattoo brand that prisoners are given, but the concept is like it's in the f the future, and like uh, women and uh, non male folks who are non compliant basically mm -hmm. get put in like a prison system, oh. and like the individual comics that you can go pick up in the series have like these false like fake ads in the back too, which are all sort of like satires of like. Uh, how, like you know like buy this product so you can be all the woman you can be buy super duper pink razors yeah. because you're super feminine woman kind of thing mm -hmm. and i think that like that series is like really uh become one of like my my faves in terms of comics uh Maybe. lately i think that you, you touched on something really cool there, which is like um, a lot of times people uh, tend to write off like science fiction and fantasy as like something that 
uh, is purely kind of escapist stuff that uh, doesn't apply to our like actual lives. Where whereas the I think the best um, the best works in in either of those genres or anything in between are are things that are like um, they are still dealing with you know gender and uh sort of ethics and pol- and different types of politics and stuff um but they're doing that in an entirely different world whether it's some dystopian world or some other realm or something and then what they say through that sort of lens um applies to like our world now and i think that uh that's the because all these things were written by people on earth you know like so uh even if they are kind of making up these entire realms and other worlds and stuff they um they're still coming from like uh from earth and and when they can kind of like uh work in some things that we can kind of see uh as commentary on our actual lives and things that are going on here i think that's like an effective thing right the sort of estrangement Mm -hmm. and all that yeah very cool um you mentioned in my like on my little form I sent you. You mentioned that you'll play anything video game wise uh, that has a good soundtrack, and I'm curious to know what types of soundtracks uh, in video games uh, are the ones you like. There's no wrong answer. Okay. You know? <laughs> okay. So there's a couple, and it's like they're all. I feel like this is very much like like me like you mentioned me being very random and it is true i am like the like wild card of like like i don't know finding something new to get into or whatever but i like um so you know obviously like mario 64 and 64 mario yeah like the og like oh that water theme <laughs> pops off and it's just like my gem but one of my faves um Also, uh, like, every Animal Crossing theme is just, like, super cute. I love it. Um, uh, Also, the the Gourmet Race, it's, like, Kirby's theme from something. Love it. It's, like, super dope. Uh, Scottune Network, which is, like, um, uh, they're, like, a sort of, like, they play in a band called We Are The Union that's, like, a ska band, but they also do, like, covers of, like, everything from, like, the Teen Titans theme to, like, stuff from video games. Uh, I also love, also, I think it's the, which Doom soundtrack is it? It, it's, like, from 2016 oh yeah like the doom soundtrack and one of my favorite okay so the soundtrack especially if i'm having like like i i love uh when i can find like a game soundtrack that pops off as much as like the like whatever hardcore song that i'm just like i mean i i i don't really like like mosh as much anymore but like if i really had to throw down like rip and tear from doom (laughs) is like one of my favorite tracks ever and it of course like starts off with the like the vocal track of like you know the doom slayer he like <laughs> like had obliterated his enemies with his sword without pity and mercy and yeah. i'm like yes i obliterate my enemies and I'm like i don't have any enemies that i know of but i i don't know i'm a yeah, mind against like, the world yeah <laughs> yeah 
oh, but it's just so heavy and it has that sort of like, I get like uh, why it fits so well with the game uh-huh. because like it almost has this like, like scope kind of like, like I have to get from point A to point B, but like I'm also trying to like do it as fast and brutally as possible. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I'm like, it's, oh, sorry, go ahead. It's sort of a weird contrast to go from like like really cutesy like Animal Crossing or like Harvest Moon. Friends of Mineral Town is also a soundtrack that I like too. Okay, um, but like those things to like like Doom. <laughs> to me, it seems like like these are the two things that like if I put together in a playlist, they just should not work. I'm but with you though. Like that's the yeah the mixed bag of soundtracks. It's all good. Yeah. Um. So like right when you were talking about animal crossing i immediately thought of that like because my girlfriend's uh, crazy into that the the new horizons one um and uh it immediately made me think of that kk slider guy like the dog that plays at the campfire things and stuff and like i gotta say those songs like are so like goofy and they just but like I kind of love them at the same time. Like I haven't really played much uh, Animal Crossing. It's not really my kind of game, but that character uh, and also like, I don't know if like every playthrough has the same characters, but like the owl guy that runs the museum or whatever, that's the other guy I love too. <laughs> but, I think, yeah, like KK Slider and um, uh, uh, the museum curator. Uh, I think I love the museum so much because and I also love Animal Crossing because there's sort of these like, especially if life's really chaotic and uh, garbage and you're having a very bad day, sometimes it's really nice to just like come back to this nice little world where it's like, I just want to sell my turnips yeah. and like go catch a fish, like very simple, which I mean, other video games can give you the same sort of feeling, right? Because yeah. like uh, it's, I think a healthy form of escape is a healthy as long as you're not like locking yourself in your basement for yeah. 12 hours. Yeah, like, yeah. Um, but like, you know, even like, um, uh, like the, the eight bit, like sort of, or not eight bit, but like legend of Zelda from like super Nintendo. Oh, and stuff yeah. like, that. like I also like really love those because it kind of like, it gives you sort of, uh not only a blast from the past but like you get like different fun side quests and tasks right totally and even like soundtrack wise too the oh man the zelda games are some of they've got such incredible music like i actually ocarina of time was like i played it on the actual n64 to the very end for the first time in quarantine that you know like i came back and i i only had my n64 at my parents house where i was staying and i was like i'm finally gonna do this you know and so i played through it and the music in that game uh is so cool like the i don't know it all the tracks are great and i've even started listening to like other people's versions of those songs like where they've got you know the zelda and chill like playlists and stuff where other people have you know made them a little more uh modern and stuff oh man i can't get enough like the lo-fi mixes and yeah stuff yeah like yeah exactly yeah oh so i good. love those put in some like um, 808s and <laughs> just go yeah yeah 
Uh, there was uh, that just reminded me. I know we're like still on the topic of video games a little bit, but did you like? Okay, so I remember as a kid playing on PlayStation. I can't remember which Spyro game it was, but do you remember the one where you could unlock a level where Spyro could go skateboarding? Uh, yeah, that's Spyro Three. Yes. Yeah. Oh my god. Okay, that was like legit my favorite one, just because I. Um, I mostly enjoyed Tony Pro- Tony Hawk Pro Skater yeah. for the soundtrack, and that was kind of it. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, I never grew up really like being like a a skater, a skater kid. Yeah. Now I'm trying to learn skateboarding, but like I always loved that because I was like I love the Spyro games, yeah. but like. Like this was the the intro to like well skateboarding's kind of rad and maybe I can kind of do it if Spyro yeah. can do it. They added in such fun little like uh, extra elements to that game. Like, all right, it's cool. It's a it's a dragon and stuff, but also we're gonna throw in a little skateboarding mini game. And like number two had where you're playing like hockey with a yak or whatever. Like <laughs> or like you know. I, oh, so good. I've actually. Like since they, you know, put out the reignited versions or whatever, I've actually been playing through them like for the first time because I played them at friends' houses and stuff like growing up, but I didn't own any of them. And so I've like hundred percented number one and two, like found all the gems and I'm just like I'm embracing the Spyro games like full on these days. I love them. You know what I think and I think like kids might miss this but maybe uh, i don't know because there's like access to wi-fi and stuff you're able to like actually play along with people uh on certain things but do you ever just miss like watching other people play video games yeah like there's like the the i remember at the southland mall uh where i lived by there was always like you know we would like go waste money on like tokens but then we would like go and like like play whatever games were in there yeah and And, like sometimes like i kind of miss that like going over to a friend's house to play n64 gamecube and sometimes just be watch it and it was just like so nice yeah (laughs) i uh i mean i guess that's why twitch is a thing now in some ways you know it's like uh watch other people play games or something yeah but i my friends have like joked about this how about how like um I always liked video games as a social thing, even like one player games when there's like three of us because you know one guy's playing, the other two are 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 still chatting and hanging out. Then if that guy dies, you know you pass the controller over, and in the meantime, you know somebody's flipping over the record or you know got the i ipod dock going or something and grabbing you know uh drinks from the the mini bar fridge grabbing cokes or something for everybody like i loved video games as a social thing and for like basically pretty much up until like the you know covid started happening i there was like a good seven or eight years where like i hadn't really played any video games except with other people like i just couldn't make time for them and they were like a social thing but i'm fine wasting like six hours playing video games if i was with a buddy and we were just playing through it like then it's social and it's fun yeah Yeah. um i'm gonna like i'm gonna go into because i gotta get into soundtracks a bit more too because i think that was a fun thread and right when you right when you 
mention N64. Those are some of the most memorable ones for me, maybe because they were some of the first games I, I played, but like, uh, like Smash Brothers, any of those songs immediately like take me back there. I have the Shadow of the Empire soundtrack on vinyl. <laughs> I found out that they nice. released it on vinyl and it, it's not as silly as it sounds because it was already like an or- orchestral sort of score anyway, but it's still like, I'm like, yeah, an N64 game soundtrack on vinyl. I I have to buy that. Uh, Pokemon Snap, for some reason, I, I love those songs. And I just played Final Fantasy IX. That's an incredible soundtrack. Yeah. That one actually, like, I'm oh, so, so happy good. that I played it with the sound on and everything because I think I would have really missed some some really neat songs. The the Final Fantasy games really kind of up the ante with their soundtracks in some ways, I think. And oh man, so so freaking cool! I just played Tomorrow Never Dies for PlayStation One last week, and like the way that they, you know, uh, worked the the James Bond theme into like the EDM kind. Of- like i i loved it the whole time i was like i'm on board even though it's kind of silly yeah um okay well let's see one of the one of the other things i was wondering is uh like i've seen you post pictures of either like lego things or like funko things and stuff um i guess to split them up uh where do you sit on the the funko train like do you collect them are they kind of meh Okay, well, I didn't actually, like, so I didn't actually start off collecting them, I guess. Uh, so I have a Brett the Hitman heart one, which was... That's the one I saw in the photo that, I, that I'm, like, yeah. where I got so that So I have two... Oh, no, wait, I have three main ones. So the, the Brett the Hitman heart is actually a gift from uh, the old editor-in-chief when I started working at the Carillon... Uh, I have but, a wrestler Funko, uh, I guess you could say too, but it is uh, Nacho Libre because that's one of my favorite movies oh, ever. And nice. I just like, I don't know if luchadors count as wrestlers. I, I think it's maybe under the same banner, they but like, so do. I, I don't know if like luchador <laughs> fans are like, that's different. I don't know, but. I mean, yeah, that's true. I feel like wrestling is one of those things that people to be like like it's just like music or it's just like comics people are gonna be like this is legit this is not legit. it's a branch but of wrestling really, it's at all the very like least. subjective yeah, yeah. Um, and like i think like uh going back to funko pops um the other funko pop that i have is also like a monsters one and it's like eddie yeah it's eddie munster but he's got his like his like punk rock jacket on because he's in the middle of like drag race kind of thing. Not like not like a the drag race that we know now, but the one yeah. with cars. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. But I do I do want to get a Trixie Mattel Funko Pop because I know they exist somewhere and I'm trying to find one. Yeah, I don't yeah. really I thought they were dumb for the longest time. I was like, they all look the same. Like what but uh then I like I uh I had this fun christmas idea where i i bought a bunch of harry potter ones and i made like dioramas um like you know for them on like a whatever on like a picnic or something or this guy's doing this and i was like had so much fun like crafting the little like getting the trees and stuff in there and like so now like 
making these sort of scenes in dioramas to go with Funko Pops has become a random hobby that I want to do more of. And so I have like, yeah. I think like that's something that's, well, that's another reason why I love Lego and I still um, enjoy, honestly, like people should just be like, like adults still love toys just as much. Yeah. Uh, as they did when they were kids like and like oh god (laughs) (laughs) yeah for for people listening in the microphone just like fell like a foot but nothing's broken the microphone was just like oh clutch my pearls toys for adults yes um (laughs) um uh but i think that like you know it used to be sort of one of those taboo thing of like you know oh the guy you know the guy in the basement with all his perfectly sealed collected action figures or things like that and like i mean whatever which is still fine do what you want to do but um uh i think like there's something so much more fun about like having those sort of little items i also have um a wind up creature of the black lagoon uh toy it doesn't unfortunately it doesn't work anymore but i still kept it uh because it was sort of like one of those little like nice shelf like occupying things i also have um i love like gremlins one and two uh and a friend of mine gave me recently as a like a housewarming gift it's like a gremlins plastic lunchbox with like Gizmo driving around in like the little toy car. And then it also has a matching thermos with one of the like evil scaly gremlins. Yeah, great. And like, I just, uh, I just love stuff like that so much. Like it's kind of a nice, like, like it shows, you know, like it's that nice thing on the shelf that you can get to show yeah. people like, this is this kind if, of stuff I'm into. If nothing so. else, hopefully this podcast just normalizes like adults playing games and getting toys and stuff. Cause it's like I had a neat conversation about that with um oh shoot, what's it called? The 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 guy who runs um I think it's the uh the escape club, uh the one on kind of dude knee there by like Don's oh, photo and stuff yeah. over China. And um just talking about like uh how I don't know, just uh, the different things um, in society and schooling or whatever, just sort of like um, teach you that like play is a kid's thing, uh, but we don't actually lose um, the way that it makes us feel like we could still play as adults to get the same sort of response from our body for when we're doing that. And so like, yeah, just keep playing, like, you know, um, I, I think, it's like uh one of the things that I've always appreciated about like spending time with other people is how much other people have like just been like, Yeah, let's let's like play a game or like yeah, let's uh oh that made it sound like very saw, like, Do you wanna play a game? It's yeah. like <laughs> we have options of other things we wanna do. Yeah. But like um uh you know, sharing your interests with people and like finding like the niche little like like it's like a you know you want to find people who want to play D D. like there's like uh folks it's a social group and like um i think that's something that i've always appreciated about inherently nerdy stuff is there's always people who are like there willing to welcome you in and kind of like uh help you learn about things and like 
once again, I'm a very random person and I will try anything once and like that's sort of evident in like my smattering of interests and things lying around my place is just sort of like it's a collection of a lot (laughs) it's just a lot (laughs) love it yeah yeah, very cool okay well lastly um i did see like your uh your like tuscan raider uh star wars lego and stuff you mentioned lego earlier so i did want to kind of come back to that um was Lego like a thing when you were a kid? Is it something you've just kind of one of the many things that you've just decided to get into as an adult? Like, uh, what place does it have in your life? <laughs> Lego has like always been a thing that I just like loved. Um, and I think uh, as an adult, I'm starting to realize how expensive it was, and <laughs> realizing how as a kid. The fact that most of my Lego was hand-me-down uh, Legos from, like, my parents' generation. But uh, some of it was also, like, newer sets, too. So you could kind of combine. And you, like, yeah, like, you can buy a set and, like, build it according to instructions. But you can also, like, add things and make things really bizarre and or make things, like, you know, uh, uh different add-ons or like something's a spaceship maybe i want to throw some wheels on it i don't know um i think that's like like it's a sort of wild card toy because you can make it anything you want it to be um on top of it also being something like star wars themed or or whatever and like uh i i find that like having it as an adult and uh, buying it now for me has actually been sort of a stress reliever. Yeah. Much like any of my other hobbies, it's like I jump into something and sort of like find out as much as I can about it and like give it a try. Uh, Lego, it's always been something that I've had an interest in just coming back to it. But um, this was in the midst of like moving out and it was like a very like stressed impulse buy. Yeah. And I was like, I'm just going to watch the like the uh star wars from like the very beginning prequels all the way through to like like the very last new one yeah and just like play with star wars lego and it was actually like a really like nice me time yeah that's the best and like all our sets you know they're not gonna break the bank so i remember when like the star wars uh lego video game came out and it was really crazy because it was like right before um the revenge of the sith like movie came out but um like uh, like a good month or two before and and it had like i remember being like we can't play through episode three because we don't know we haven't seen it yet we don't want to like we don't want to get the story from a lego video game first <laughs> but it was so weird like they it must have just been kind of an oversight they're like whatever we want to put it out like a month or two before because it's a star wars thing and it'll sell really well at the time of the movie but like you could get the whole story like from the game. And I was like, no, we can't spoil it. We can play through like <laughs> Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones, but we can't, you know, we can't do the third one until we see the movie. Like the earliest form of like the spoil, like no spoilers, no spoilers. Yeah. <laughs> is like, I don't want to play through the game till the end. So then I know what happens. Yeah. I want to be like, like come back to it fresh and then know what happens. Yeah, I think like um I uh 
it was a weird time having those those prequels and like also like uh i remember the star wars that uh we grew up with is also like the cgi edited of the originals yeah and i remember having the vhs's of those ones and like both before the actual movie comes up, they do a whole behind the scenes bit of like, this is us justifying why we did all these things. Oh man. And like, I don't know. It was like, uh, it, it, to, to me as a kid, I thought it was awesome. Cause I'm like, uh, you know, like this is all I've ever seen and all I've ever known. And then like, you know, hearing from my parents, you know, like this whole bit didn't exist in our version of star Wars. Yeah. And I'm like, oh so like is this all a lie or <laughs> oh my gosh i know like uh it's kind of nice in some ways that they just cut off george lucas after after point like be like you know what dude yeah, they, yeah. you know what? it's good they're good you could just kind of back away and you know uh that said like the guy was a, a genius too i just read a book on um like creating his empire and man that was uh he really uh, pulled off something incredible because like the amount of flack he was getting from all the different um, <laughs> production companies and stuff like it's incredible that we even have star wars um yeah okay last very last thing i i bring it back to your like band um and uh actually i'll give you a second to like um just like plug anything uh that you guys have done that uh, you want people to check out or whatever too but um i think i remember this correctly was uh, your band was playing um, at the Mercury with like, I think it was with Ancient Pig um, and uh, something caught on fire, like an amp caught on fire in the middle of your set. <laughs> and uh, uh, maybe you tell the story. I just, this was a very fun local show to be at for like the things that went wrong <laughs> in the middle of your set. Okay. So what had happened was, <laughs> um, uh, like, I mean, I'm always, like, kind of nervous and terrified before playing a show. <clears throat> uh, maybe I don't seem like it. Uh, I probably do. But um, I was just, like, it's funny. Like, I felt like beforehand I had a premonition of, like, oh, please, like, nothing happened. I just want to get through this. And then, like afterwards i can sort of like soak in just like like oh my gosh like i did that thing yeah uh we had borrowed an amp from uh because steve our bassist needed an amp so we borrowed naturally from the bassist uh and everything was kind of like going fine like we were just playing through the set and stuff and i think like I'd started smelling something funny and I was like kind of looking around me like, eh, like who's smoking going on? in the front row. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and Neil noticed it too. And then all of a sudden mid song, we all kind of like look over and the amp is like got billows coming out of it and a hole burnt in the middle of it. <laughs> uh, and from what I understand it, like this amp was also like pretty old, but like, like we didn't mean this yeah. it's really embarrassing when you like borrow somebody's equipment and you like set it on fire <laughs> so um naturally like we're all kind of like uh what do we do um and i think uh steve actually had grabbed a glass of water and we're like no 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 unplug the amp first <laughs> dump water on the electrical thing 
Uh, and they unplugged it and they took it outside uh, yeah. on the patio Mercury. And like as I as this is all happening, I'm like, oh my god! Like I can't believe like this is all going on right now. Like, what is my life in a band? Is this? I just set things on fire. I guess. Uh, it wasn't even me that set it on fire. The amp just was like, I can't take it anymore yeah. <laughs> and exploded. But then there's this older guy who is helping. He is a, a, a little bit tipsy and he's helping somebody else carry it outside. He's like, that was so punk rock. And yeah. I was like, oh, <laughs> okay, cool. I remember feeling um, the same I'm, thing. I'm like, like, it was like, Oh man, this is such like you, there's just this thing that happens where you're like, now I know that this is a memorable show. Like I'm so happy I came out. Not that like a normal set isn't memorable, but like things don't catch on fire at every show. Like this is like uh you know, if somebody wrote a book on uh you know the punk rock history of Regina and they were talking about like uh, 2019 or whatever, whatever that happened, it was like this was a standout moment that like. Uh, a bunch of people that were there remember you know it was just this hilarious thing i i felt like that show and then the show that we played it was like on the night the the raptors won oh yeah um like that nba final uh, and like of course it's like like oh yeah and you're playing a show tonight at o'hanlon's and it's gonna be bonkers wow. uh i felt like very underprepared for for that much like chaos but then again like i don't know we had a packed full room it may have been just a basketball fans who wanted to get drunk that's the but best. like whatever <laughs> that's fine they can come listen to us scream and you know it's like mash a bunch that's of such a great together. opportunity because most of the time the people that are at our shows are all in other bands and they're all people that already know like what our band is about what we sound like whatever it's kind of a weird blessing to get a, a room of people that don't know what's about to happen have never heard you and it's like okay this is where worlds collide the the like raptors uh o'hanlon's kind of going crowd is gonna get some some old school punk rock <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah i love that i remember uh you guys played i want to say it was like opening for daniel romano or something did you guys Oh, oh or, yeah or, um, i actually ancient shapes or something uh i actually have the poster hanging above uh my fireplace in my house and it was ancient sh it's not even okay so it's just an ancient shapes poster yeah. and they had handwritten in <laughs> sharpie on it uh february 2nd the mercury and it's the steve's johnny two fingers and hit the streets where the opener is yeah. Um, which like, uh, you know, it feels weird to even say that like that. I mean, Ancient Shapes is sort of like a big deal for like that was you know, an insane show. Like Daniel Romano in. playing in the Mercury, like, and it was of course you, packed you know, and sweaty. Like, and I don't think there's been a time since that I've been so terrified like playing a show in yeah. front of like other peers and it also being like my you know uh maybe that was like my second or third time being in the band and like practicing and playing yeah. and stuff and it's yeah like, I remember that was one of your like first whole, shows I think yeah I remember it was being like, like a whole uh, other 
<laughs> I was just jealous. I remember I was like, oh man, you know, like, cause Daniel Romano is, you know, like this awesome example of somebody who's like down for doing old school country. And also like he put out that spider bite album just last year of like, on like the stuff we're talking about 80s punk you know i'm like this guy's like a folk punk indie icon i was like our band would be such a great fit you know but that was an incredible show and i remember after your set was done that was the first time i saw you guys i remember uh my the guitar player my band ethan was like holy shit like regina's got a new best band or like something like that i was like yeah that was such a fun like a a moment to like i love when you hear a new band that you actually really like and it's like oh sick okay our scene has another sweet band you know it's like kind of one of those real moments where i feel like i mean you know imposter syndrome is definitely like a very real thing and i feel like especially like um uh for so long being kind of like well i don't know like if i'm like you know ready to to jam with people and stuff like that but like having like a moment where people are like genuinely stoked yeah i'm like i'm doing something right like it it's like i don't know it's kind of nice to have those like warm fuzzy moments where i'm warm fuzzy bad moments where you're you're feeling like like other people are stoked about the things that you're working on and yeah I don't know. I I just hope that like uh like I look forward to the day when like we can actually like, play another show again. Yeah, <laughs> like, no doubt. <laughs> like local shows are just going to be like so bonkers cuz it's going to be like yeah. everybody's going to be like wanting to like book up venues and just like I have to, to go out tonight because it, it's possible that I'll have to wait like there cuz something else could happen and we can't go to shows for another year and a half or something, you know? Yeah. Yeah, you're um, not gonna want to miss a minute. Oh yeah, I love it. Uh, I I can't wait for that. Let's let's play a show when we can. <laughs> Your band and my band. Let's do something. Um, okay, JL. Well, I feel like we've talked for a really long time, uh, and it's been lots of fun for me. I hope you enjoyed it too. Um, l- I guess uh, just before we go, um, do you have uh, anything to plug, like Instagram accounts, Bandcamp stuff, whatever. Um, what do you want people to check out now that they've heard you talk for a while? <laughs> check out Hit the Streets. Uh, we're on Bandcamp and we're also on Spotify. Uh, we also have an Instagram account, hit.the.streets13, I think. Um, and yeah, that's kind of all I'm like, like, working on it or have been working on i guess in the last little bit um i would also like to uh plug girls rock regina is doing sort of a like challenge for month of april where you kind of like practice every day you do something creative music wise every single day of april great yeah i just like to plug those two things yeah that rules dang i was going to talk to you about uh, the girls rock regina because i know you just like participated in that and uh they do some really cool stuff in the city but yeah definitely uh follow that account see what they're up to and um if you're the type of person uh you know that's uh, interested in um doing the camp or something i've been to their like uh you know the the showcase they do at the end and it's incredible like the progress people make um it's such a cool program and people should definitely check it out and get involved if if they can't that's a great thing um yeah so thank you so much jl um 
it was great having you on the show i'm going to do the little closing spiel now um but yeah check out hit the streets folks and um thank you for listening tonight you've been listening to the bring out your geeks podcast uh it's a co-production with the creative city center uh, in regina saskatchewan and um i do want to say uh check out our, our instagram too we're we're on uh, we're on the insta i'm not doing a lot these days so i'm posting lots of geeky stuff every day pretty much um it's at bring out your geek um and uh i want it to be a bit of a hub for like geek related chatter so um chime in on there i'm always like posting open-ended questions about uh comics and video games and stuff so feel free to chime in um and uh as always, I want to mention that the Creative City Centre is supported by the Canada Council for the Arts, the Department of Canadian Heritage, Sask Arts, Creative Saskatchewan, and the City of Regina. Um, thanks to all those groups, this podcast is made possible because of their support, so I always want to thank them at the end here. Um, and the, the CCC is a community-based art centre. Um, for anyone who doesn't know, uh, you used to have... Uh, you know, live spoken word things, music concerts. There's the gallery in there where they'd have um, exhibitions all the time. Um, I love this venue. They're, they're really close to my heart. I, I um, helped run the, the word up spoken word stuff here for a long time and um, went to lots of incredible shows and stuff. Actually, it's the place where I played um, songs that I had written on acoustic guitar for the very first time. So special place for me um check out their website to see all, all the stuff that they're doing right now it's uh, it's all online um given uh kind of the nature of our situation but there's there's podcasts like this one um and other cool stuff that they're doing so uh that's uh creative city center uh ca and uh that'll show you everything that's going on so keep supporting artists um in your neighborhood your city your uh your province your country um check out some new stuff today and uh yeah stay safe you know in the words of hitchhiker's guy don't panic and uh we'll see you next geek thanks everybody